This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Tonight uh, will be kind of related to the message I preached this morning. So if, you are, if you're one of those like super keen beans who comes AM and PM, then some of it might be familiar. Uh, if you are in a connect group that does our connect group studies and you did study a study on John chapter 3 during the week, then this will be your third time in John 3. Uh, so good for you. You will know it off by heart. Um, tonight I want to talk about a new life. Uh, I wonder if you feel like you need a new life. Uh, sometimes in life, things get tough, you make mistakes, and you want a do-over. Um, that's, that's the fun of a video game, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you can just die and then you respawn and you get a new life. Um, you, you fail to beat the big boss, you just try again. Uh, unfortunately, in, in normal life, you don't get a do-over. Um, although, tonight, you might discover that you do. I want to read to you uh, a, a passage uh, from Titus chapter 3, verse 3, which is on the screen. It says this, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Does that sound like anyone you know? Don't name any names. Um, it's pretty full-on language isn't it? Um, it's, this is one of those verses from the Bible where you just go, Whoa, that's, that's a bit harsh. Foolish and disobedient, misled and slaves to lusts and pleasures, lives full of evil and envy and hatred. That's kind of the world we live in sometimes, isn't it? Uh, maybe you, you kind of see that stuff uh, maybe you, you like watching TV shows about that stuff or listening to true crime podcasts about that stuff. Um, we live in a world that is messed up and we, we kind of can't help but get affected by it in one way or another. Either, hopefully, if, you, if you're a good person, quote-unquote, then this stuff makes you upset and you, you don't like it and it it makes you sad. Or maybe uh, you kind of find it attractive and you kind of, you want to go there even though you know you shouldn't. I think that's what it means about being misled and becoming a slave. Uh, that there's something about doing the wrong thing that just is enticing, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I used to know a guy, I met a guy years and years ago now um, who I'm going to call Nick. It's not his real name, but I don't want to use his real name without his permission. Uh, this guy, Nick, I met on a camp where I was the, the, the speaker on the camp. Uh, it was my job uh, to get up every morning of camp and to talk to a bunch of teenagers about Jesus and to tell them all about how Jesus died for them, how Jesus loves them, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Nick was skeptical. Nick didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't want to believe in Jesus. He was pretty upfront about the fact. 
He was like, I'm just here to hang out with my friends and have fun. But at the end of camp, he made a point of coming up to me and saying, Johnny, I really liked your talks. And I thought, well, that's good, you know, because I know you're skeptical at the start. Um, you know, where are you at? Like, you liked my talks. What does that mean exactly? And so the conversation kind of went on and on for a while. And the upshot at the end of the conversation was, he said, I'm convinced by this Jesus stuff. I wasn't convinced at the start, but now I am. I, I reckon he was a real guy. He really did those miraculous things. He really died on a cross. He really rose again. I'm good with all of that. You've convinced me. I was like, awesome. Do you want to be a Christian? And he said, no. No, I don't. He wanted this stuff. He wanted his lusts and his pleasures. He wanted his life just the way it was. And even though he kind of knew on some level that his life the way it was wasn't particularly healthy or good, he wanted to have fun and he didn't want to miss out. He was like, you Christians, you talk about like no sex before marriage and no getting drunk and all this stuff. I want to do that stuff. I don't want to miss out on that stuff. So he said no. There's another guy called Nick in the Bible. Uh, this guy's real name was Nicodemus. Uh, but he kind of reminds me of my mate Nick. Uh, he was a Pharisee, it says uh, in John chapter 3. There was a Pharisee, na a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied like this. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You can know all the facts. You can, you can even be convinced by the arguments that Christianity is true. But unless something happens in your heart unless the Holy Spirit does something you can't be a Christian you can't see the kingdom of God Nicodemus doesn't get it he responds to this by saying how can you get how can you be born a second time that doesn't make any sense Surely you can't go back into your mother's womb, he says. He probably thinks it's ridiculous. He probably thinks it's crazy talk. You're born once. That's how it works. Everyone knows that. But Jesus says, no, I'm serious. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. He's saying there are two births for a person. The first one is the flesh, the physical birth out of your mother's womb. But Nicodemus says this other kind of birth, the birth that the spirit gives birth to your spirit. 
a spiritual birth, born of the Holy Spirit. It's wild, isn't it? What a strange conversation they're having. Uh, Jesus wants to go a bit further on this topic of being born of the Spirit. And he says, you shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Uh, That word for wind, for you Bible nerds, it's the same word as the word for Spirit. Uh, they're, They're two uses of the same word. In fact, it's kind of the same idea. Uh, the word for breath and the word for spirit and the word for wind are all the same concept, all the same word in the original language. doesn't really work in English. We have all three separate words. But in Greek and in Hebrew in the Old Testament, it's the one word. And so Jesus is kind of playing on that idea. He's like, you know the spirit. We, we talk about spirit all the time. It's breath, it's wind. And just with the wind, how you you can't see it, you can only hear its sound, and you can't tell where it's come from or where it's going, it just kind of blows in and whooshes away somewhere else. There's something kind of invisible and mysterious about wind. So it is with the Spirit. There's something invisible and mysterious. Uh, But more than that, he's saying there's something that the Spirit does that you can't see the spirit himself but you can see the effect of the spirit just like you can't see the wind itself but you can see stuff getting blown around by it to be born of the spirit uh, means that you see some effect of the spirit in your life To go back to Titus again, Titus chapter 3, um, this full-on thing I started with actually continues. I didn't read the whole thing before. It says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love... He saved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done. Remember, we, we were foolish and disobedient. No, because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth. It's familiar language, isn't it? A new life through the Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. New life comes through God's mercy to us. He makes us new. He washes us clean. He gives us a new birth into a new life through the Holy Spirit. That's what Nicodemus didn't get. That's what he needed to know. Nicodemus thought that if you wanted to be right with God, you had to be Jewish. 
You had to be born into a Jewish family. You had to have Jewish parents descended from the great Jewish patriarch Abraham himself. And if you had that, you were good. That was Nicodemus's framework. And Jesus comes along and says, well, that's flesh giving birth to flesh. You've inherited that status, but now you need the Spirit to give you a new birth into a new life. So I wonder, is that your story? Do you have a story of being reborn into Jesus? Uh, my story, if you're wondering, thanks for asking. Um, my story of rebirth is uh, kind of an undramatic one in a lot of ways. I, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up with Christian family um, and, you know, going to kids' church and stuff like that. Uh, I grew up kind of knowing very, very little about God. I thought there must be a God out there somewhere, I guess, but that was about it. And then uh, when I was in year seven, uh, I, I started listening in, in scripture class at school. Um, when I was in year eight, uh, someone invited me along to a camp uh, up at Lake Mac where you guys had BAM camp recently, same campsite. Isn't that crazy? Uh, and someone, some youth pastor got up and explained how Jesus died on the cross for me and that I could have a new life like I'm talking about now. Similar idea. And I thought, that sounds good. I want that. And so I prayed a prayer telling God that I wanted that. And nothing happened. That was it. My, my life didn't change. I, I had like... Uh, kind of anger management issues as a young teenager. Um, and I continued to be kind of angry and have issues with controlling that. Um, I continued to, you know, be a brat and be difficult. Uh, I continued to be selfish and unkind. Uh, I didn't tell anyone that I decided to be a Christian. I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything with my life that was any different to how it was the year before. And then somewhere in the next couple of years after that, I made a couple of other steps. Uh, and some one of those steps, somewhere along the line, something changed in me. Not dramatically, there wasn't a flash of light from the heavens, there wasn't a booming thunderous voice, I didn't fall on the floor like Lewis was preaching about last week, just somewhere in those couple of years between the 8 and the 10, I started to change. My life started to turn around. God did a work in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I could see that I was living differently and I had a different attitude, just little by little. It wasn't like I'd suddenly become perfect. I'm still not perfect now, and all these years later. But I got on the right track, and God helped me with my anger issues, and God helped me with my relationships, and God helped me with my selfishness, and I became a little bit less selfish. And I started going to youth group, and I started going to church, and I started telling people I was a Christian, 
I remember some guys like saying, oh, you know, this is dumb, this whole scripture class, no one here's even a Christian anyway. And I was like, well, I am. And then afterwards I was like, I can't believe I said that. But it was something in me that had changed. And that was God. That was the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, he's teaching to us too. That to enter the kingdom of God, as he calls it, like to receive who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we need to be born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. To work in our hearts, to open our our minds and open our eyes to see that God is real, to, to remove our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh, to confirm to us the things that we're convinced are true, like my mate Nick, to confirm that stuff in our hearts and not just in our minds. It's like the wind, isn't it? There's nothing to see except the effect of it afterwards. To see that your life is changing, that your heart is changing, that the things that you desire are shifting bit by bit, day by day. A little bit more like Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. And you should find yourself becoming stranger, but in a good way to be more like Jesus, to be more loving and more forgiving and more kind and more good, to care more about how broken the world is and want it to be better. Not for yourself, not selfishly, just, you know, I want what's owed to me, but to want it to be better for other people, to just want it to be better universally. That's the Holy Spirit. And to be grieved in your own heart. To kind of go, well, I'm part of the problem. Actually, maybe that's the most important one. Like longing for something different out there and longing for something different in here. Uh, The very famous theologian and author C.S. Lewis talks about this concept that as you become more and more... Christian, you know, as your life is being conformed into the likeness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit working in you bit by bit, on the one hand, you become a better person, you make less mistakes, you're less sinful, maybe, you could say, but at the same time, you kind of feel worse because you notice this stuff more, that you're like, oh, I need Jesus. I really need Jesus. And that stuff that I gave myself a pass on before, now I want that changed. It's a process. It's a journey. You're not perfect overnight. You're not getting it right every time. But you can see that little by little, bit by bit, the Spirit is changing me. And the Spirit is empowering me to change my world. My, my sphere of influence, the, the relationships in my family or with my friends, where I'm able to forgive someone, I'm able to reconcile with someone, I'm able to turn over a new leaf with that person. That's the Spirit bringing what Jesus calls the kingdom 
of God in yourself and in your world. It's uncomfortable. It can be really difficult. It's not an easy journey to walk, but it is wonderful and it's glorious to see the Spirit's work, to see evidence of that wind blowing through your life, transforming you day by day. So, we should pray. Can we do that? I think we should pray uh, a couple of different things. Firstly, I want to pray a prayer for those of you who, for whom this is all new, where you're like, I don't know if I even have received the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if I've been born again. Um, I want to pray a prayer for you, if that's you. Um, I'd also want to pray a prayer if you've been a follower of Jesus for ages and you already know this stuff, uh, but you want like a fresh work of the Spirit um, to be taking you that next step of transformation. So how about uh, we pray those two kinds of prayers and then we'll sing. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you that uh, you have made a way for us to know you, that you love us and that you look upon us with such mercy and such kindness. Lord Jesus, uh, we, yeah, I want to pray uh, for those of us who feel like we know about you, but we don't know you, uh, that we are convinced on some level in our heads, but not yet convinced in our hearts. Lord, we invite you, we invite your Holy Spirit to give us a new birth, to start a new life in you. And Holy Spirit, we invite, we all invite you uh, to be working in all our hearts, whether we've never known that work or whether you've been working for a long time. Lord, we pray that that wind would blow into all the nooks and crannies, that you would be transforming even those parts of our hearts that we hold back out of fear or out of shame or out of pride. We offer our whole selves to you that you would be changing and transforming us day by day. Holy Spirit, that you would work now and tomorrow and the next day and the next. And Lord, open our eyes to see the evidence of the wind, the trees bending, the papers flying off the desk when the windows are opened. Show us what you are up to, Lord God that we might join in with it, that we might welcome it, that we might celebrate it. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.com. Dot info.